Hello, welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturgis, Mississippi. It is our goal every week to bring the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we pray that it changes your heart and provokes life change and action. God bless, and please listen from your heart. Enjoy. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Exodus 
So not only bearing false witness, but not steal, not lie, not deal falsely with others, that we are to be people of integrity, of character. And mainly we are to be people of integrity and character that represent Christ in all that we do. So what is a neighbor? If you were to ask that to an Old Testament person, that means people throughout the Old Testament books, they would tell you that that is an Israelite. If you were to say that that is, who is your neighbor, they'd tell you that. And it would look like this. It would kind of be like this. It's one's immediate neighbor as viewed as a fellow member of the covenant community. So if you were to look in the Old Testament and you were to understand and want to gravitate towards what Jesus says in the New Testament, that's drastically different, right? Jesus defines that in a different manner. So why is it important that you and I understand what it means to look at a neighbor in the right perspective? That means that we have to understand not only what the Old Testament teaches through this, but also understand what Jesus tells us within the New Testament. Yes, sir? They can hear me. The world, the world can't hear me? How many mics do you want me to have? Okay. You need help? Yeah, I'm, I'm helping you. Just can you hear that? Yes, okay. Alright. This is live. Okay. Alright. Let me just go with this. This is not how you get a shorter sermon, I'll just tell you that much. <laughs> Alright, so does that work better for you? Okay, thanks. Alright, so we look at the Old Testament narrative and we see in Leviticus chapter six. If you'll turn over to Leviticus chapter six, it really speaks to the fact of what Moses is trying to say here. So here goes. Leviticus chapter six, starting at verse one, it says. When the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, When a person sins and acts unfaithfully against the Lord, he deceives his companion in regard to a deposit or security entrusted to him, or through robbery, or if he is extorted from his companion, or has found what was lost and lied about it and sworn falsely, so that he sins in regard to any one of the things a man may do. Then it shall be, when he sins and becomes guilty, that he shall restore what he took by robbery, or what he got by extortion, or the deposit which was entrusted to him, or the thing, the lost thing which he has found, or anything about which he has swore falsely, he shall make restitution for it in full, and add to it one-fifth more. He shall give it to the one whom it belongs on the day he presents his guilt offering. Then he shall bring to the priest his guilt offering to the Lord, a ram without defect from the flock." according to your valuation for a gift, guilt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he will be forgiven for the many things which he may have done to incur guilt. See, the Old Testament was very much about the practices of the Israelites. Those that were presenting a guilt offering, meaning that they had to do something to be forgiven for their sin debt. They had to do something, and primarily it was in the construct of bringing an offering 
to be a pleasing aroma to God. It was primarily within the construct of what they did in response to that. Being the Israelites, being the ones who, who believed like this, who were defined as neighbor, they had to make an atonement for all the things which they had done. Furtherly, it explains it a little bit further with this in Deuteronomy 15, verses 2 and 3. It says, This is the manner of remission. Every creditor shall release what he has loaned to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor or brother and brother, because the Lord's remission has been proclaimed. From a foreigner you may exact it, but your hand shall release whatever is yours with your brother." So there was in that community, in the Israelite community, there was a responsibility to your neighbor, right? There was a responsibility to those who owed you. There was a responsibility in your life to those you've done wrong. There was a great measure of responsibility in that and great action that had to happen. So the responsibility was to do this, to treat a neighbor fairly and with respect. What do you mean? Treating others fairly and with respect? That's a lost practice, isn't it? Well, certainly that's talking about just the Old Testament, right? Or is it? Are we to treat others with respect? Are we to deal fairly with others? Of course we are. But this was intended not only if me and you are, are dealing with each other, Mr. Ron, but also you would deal with me that way. So it was a reciprocal type of thing. In that culture, as an Israelite, it went both ways. So the way I treated was the way I was treated. So the importance is evident in the part of this relationship with God was considered something that could affect the divine human relationship. So, so basically, if I was not in right standing with my neighbor, was I then in right standing with God? In their culture, they believe that if you can't be in right standing with your neighbor, there's no way you can be in right standing with God. It was a breakdown of that relationship, of that covenantal promise. So because God had treated them so lovingly, they were to do what to their neighbor? Treat them lovingly as well. Fairly, respectfully, right? Because of what God had done... And how they had been treated in God, how he had forgiven their guilt and their sin and their offering that they brought, they too had to do the same. That's why over and over again in Scripture where it, where it comes about that someone's debt was forgiven and yet they couldn't forgive someone else's debt. Why it was such a problem? It became something of a stumbling block for others. Well, also we look at this, what about the outsiders? How many of you understand what I say when I mean the outsiders? That means those that are not on the inner circle. Those that are not in the, in the in crowd or those not included in this, in that thing. So these, those that were considered, in my mind, my term, outsiders, they were those that were not Jewish, the Samaritans, the Gentiles, and all those. And I think that Jesus dealt with this, but we have to understand this, this wasn't the first time that it came across. So if we look back to the old again, Deuteronomy 6, 5, it says this. For some people, you have to understand this. For those who, who don't believe in the Messiah, 
of Jewish descent, they don't believe, many of those that hold to that faith don't believe in the risen Messiah. You have to go with the Old Testament of what it says and come at it from the New Testament. So Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your might. With all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your might. That pretty much covers all of it, doesn't it? With all of your soul, all of your heart, and all of your might. So if you want to love a neighbor, you can't properly love your neighbor unless you love God. Think about that. Some people say, well, well I can love others and I can be a good person. But can you love your neighbor if you don't know who God is? Can you even know what love is all about? You know, this is not one of those things where, you know, you, you fall in love and you're like, I love you. And then you meet somebody else and I love you. And, you, you know, it's not that. This is a love that endures. This is a love that speaks louder than anything else in the room. This is God's love bestowed on us by his grace. So his love and this love that we should have for God is inseparable from meeting a neighbor's need. So when you and I meet a neighbor's need, we're loving like he does. When we serve one another, we are loving like he does. When we forgive others, we are loving like he does and forgiving them like our sin debt has been forgiven. So the proper way that we live as a good neighbor is that we know where he stands in our life. The proper way that we understand how to deal with others and what they're willing or what we need to be willing to forgive them of is because of what he has forgiven us of. Let's think of the justification that we have for this. Luke 10, 29. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Now the New Testament thought about what a neighbor is changes. Because a New Testament type of neighbor means anyone, anywhere, anytime. It's not just relegated to those that are on the inner circle. Now you and I, who stood on the outside, can be a part of Jesus can be forgiven, can have our debt canceled out because of what he did. So let's look at what the New Testament says in this way, kind of pairing it with that Old Testament understanding so that we can fully engage in this and understand. Matthew 5, 43. If you want to turn there real quick or you want to write it down. Matthew 5, 43. I want us to engage in this. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Watch what Jesus does here. He's got their attention, right? They know the law, right? They know what it says. So what he says next is this, and it's something that's going to change the way that they see things forever. It says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What do you mean by that? Do you mean those that don't like me and treat me unfairly? Yeah, those. You mean those that don't forgive me and those that hold a grudge? Yeah, those. You mean those that I won't walk next to or come next to or talk to or hadn't spoke to in 20 years? You mean those? Yeah. 
You are to love your neighbor because of your love for God. And when you and I don't love our neighbor, then something is messed up in our relationship with our love for God. We've got to understand how those things are affected here. It says in verse 45, it says, So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So does that mean that everybody from that point out just went, okay, that's what Jesus said, I'm going to do it, I'm going to live right? Or is it many of the religious leadership started to go, <coughs> they're taken away or he's taken away from what we think is right, or maybe my, you know, own understanding, or, or, or something is being taken here. So Mark 12, 28 says this, One of the scribes came, and they heard them arguing, and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him this, What commandment is the foremost of all? So we've looked at the Old Testament and saw what it said within the book of Exodus, and we looked through Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and several other areas. We've looked at some of the New Testament, and so at this point, this religious scribe is coming, and then he's saying, I'll get him. So what commandment is the foremost of all? Verse 29 said this, Jesus answered, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And... You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So I'm thinking of this many years separated from when this was written. And I wonder sometimes, and maybe this came across your mind, the reason we don't love others sometimes is because we don't love ourselves. And the reason we don't love ourselves like we ought to is because we don't love God like we ought to. Because God tells you and I who we are, right? He tells us how much we are loved and forgiven and treasured. He tells us our identity. When we know Him as Lord and Savior, He changes everything, and it should be He changes our relationships. He changes how we treat others because of the grace, because of the mercy, because of what we have been given. We deal with people differently, right? So we don't need to bear false witness. We need to be ones who do what? Who continue what Christ has started. Now let's look at this passage here. We're going to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. If you've heard about this before, maybe you've heard about it, but I really want you, in light of what we've seen in the Old Testament, what we've seen in the New Testament, I want you to really grasp and understand this. And I want you to understand something from the beginning of it all. And to me, this was mind-blowing. It's ironic that one not normally deemed worthy to be a neighbor by the Jews was the one who demonstrated best how to be a neighbor to the victim. It's interesting how Jesus uses people 
no matter where they are, if they avail themselves to Him. That means that, that God can use any one of us at any given time, no matter what our age or our level of spiritual maturity is, if we understand who we are in Him and what He has done and we love See, we, we are to love. So let's see what Luke 10, 30 says this. Jesus replied, he said this, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance a priest was going down to that road on that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. This was a priest. Certainly, he should have had empathy. Certainly, he should have loved his neighbor. But look, this was, this was not someone like him. So he walked on the other side. 32, likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But, verse 33, a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. Oil and wine were costly in the biblical world. Oil and wine were something that took one's wages. They took a cost. And then he did what? He put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. So this Samaritan, who was not loved and thought of as a neighbor, was the very one that he is using here to explain what it meant to be a neighbor. It said, On the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. So we see in this that Jesus turns things upside down, and he's good at that, right? He takes what we know is truth and what we've read in Scripture and says, okay, let me tell you now what you ought to do. So Jesus sets no limits as to who can qualify as our neighbor. I think about it also like this, that we never know just how much we need that neighbor until we are that neighbor in need. Amen? Well, think about it like this. How many times you've said you prayed for somebody and how much support that brings them when you serve them or do something in that way. But how many of us, and maybe you're just like me, it's kind of hard to be served sometimes. Or maybe when we're going through something, we're looking for that neighbor to be a neighbor to us too. It's those kind of things. You'll never know how vital it is that we need to treat our neighbor as Jesus intends until we become that neighbor in need. So this morning, I want us to really to just break this down that we might understand. I shared with you in the opening that you and I stand as a reflection of Christ in the darkest worlds. What does your life say of Him who has saved you? Notwithstanding, here's the deal too. You and I cannot resemble someone we've never met or encountered. Amen? So if we don't know, if you don't know Lord and Savior of your life being Jesus, then it's kind of like this. It's like someone saying that you and I resemble someone from another state that they met on a vacation at a shopping mall at a store while shopping for candy. Anybody ever said that you resemble somebody else or they've seen you out there somewhere and you weren't there? 
the place that you've never been and have no clue as this singular conclusion could have reminded you of them. Likewise, you and I cannot reflect Christ, however, unless we know Him as our personal Lord and Savior. Only then does life transformation happen. Only then can He inhabit our heart and lives. Only then can we truly resemble Christ within us. So when we are ones who say, I am a Christian, I have experienced grace, forgiveness, mercy, love beyond measure, then we too are to be ones that live out that grace, that love, that mercy with everybody we encounter. Because we can't do it unless we have that relationship with Him. And we can't live it out unless we understand the Great Commission and how we are to be disciples to all nations. It's not about who deserves it, because we don't deserve it. It's about the Christ within us that teaches us what we ought to do. So how neighborly are you? Do your interactions with others bear false witness to the truth of Christ? See, there comes the rubber meeting the road there. There's a call to repentance for all of us. That if we don't understand our responsibility in Christ... And we don't understand our neighbor. Is anyone anywhere, anytime that doesn't know Christ or that we need to serve or that knows Christ that we need to be a neighbor to? And in doing so, we show our love for Christ. Then many of us need to say, God, I am so sorry that I have not extended the grace and the mercy that you've given me. That I have not forgiven my brother, my sister, my friend. That I have not forgiven those next to me. That I have not served the least of these. That I have gotten so involved in me that I've forgotten about you, God. And all of those things. See, we need to seek forgiveness. We need to leave the lifestyle and those choices behind in the rear view. This is the only way the power of the Holy Spirit can be within your life. But also, we think about the heart that we have for others. Who is someone in your life that you need to pray for and bring before God that God could open a door in their life? See, you and I should be so focused on others that our problems really aren't that bad. We should be so worried about someone else's eternity that we're willing to serve and do whatever it takes. But there's no way to be a neighbor to someone if we're not in the right relationship with Almighty God. So I'm going to ask you on this day, do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? And if you don't, why not here? Why not now? Chances are you know God is calling out to you. And maybe he's used someone in this church or around you to come and, and, and speak into your life over the years. And maybe today is that day that you need to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I haven't been a neighbor. Something's wrong with my relationship with the Almighty God and I need to repent. Meaning I need to turn from my ways and follow him. So God, I need forgiveness. Forgiveness that only you can bring. See, the insanity is of, of it all is that we get so developed in our practices that we continue to do things over and over again like that makes it somehow better or accepted if we do it a thousand and one times. But if you are not living for Him, you are not living for Him. Amen? 
So you love God by loving others. How many of us need to repent for what we have or have not done? Maybe this morning you have someone on your heart, been there for a long time, and you need to come before God and just say, God, I can't. I've tried as hard as I can, God. But God, you can. So maybe today you need to come to the altar and say, God, this burden is just so heavy and I can't carry it any longer. And I've found that when we turn it over to God, that's when He really does what only He can, right? Because we like to have control, don't we? How many of you love to be in control? We like to have control, right? But when we turn it over to God and give Him control, that's when everything changes. So let's go to God in prayer. Father God, we come this day. God, we, we know that we cannot do a single thing on our own. God, as we've made our way through these scripture passages this morning, God, we've seen how you intend for us to live. God, many of us have royally messed up. God, we have lived in a way that doesn't represent our faith. We haven't loved well. We haven't forgiven well. We haven't served well. Heavenly Father, God, I pray this morning as we come before you, God, that we're willing to repent and change what needs to be changed in us so that we might love like you intend for us to love. Heavenly Father, there's not one single thing that's worth getting in the middle of our relationship with you, God. God, so if we need forgiveness from our sins, God, let us do that. God, if we need to come, for you, come to you for the very first time, let us do that. God, if we need to pray for a neighbor in need, let us do that. God, whatever you've laid on our heart today, however you're pulling at us today, don't let this be a Sunday where we say, well, that sure was good for somebody else. God, let it be something that sinks into our hearts and minds and will not let go. Heavenly Father, your word is meant for us. God, your word is meant for those who, who live like this world when they ought to live like you. God, forgive us for our transgressions and help us to live in a bright manner in this dark world. It's in your name we pray. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. We know that your time is the most valuable item you have, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page at facebook.com fbcms. Both can be found in the show notes below. If you would leave a rating or review for our new podcast, we would be very appreciative. And if you would share it with others, we would be eternally grateful. We pray that you have a God-filled day, and remember, love God, love people, and reach the world. Have a good day.